Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach and Adam. You know what I feel like this show needs? Uh, I feel like we could uh, always use a helping hand. We we could, and we need a little bit of glitz. We need a little glam. We need a little bit of that Hollywood star power. And that's what we've got today. Uh, joining us, uh, you may know him from the comic Modoc Head Games, or from uh, Hulu's Marvel's Modoc. Uh, it is Jordan Bloom. Jordan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I feel like I can't deliver any of that, any glitz or glam. <laughs> I, I can talk about some new mutants, but uh, beyond that, I think uh, you might have got brought the wrong guy. Well, you're here now and scheduling guests is just a real pain during these <laughs> unprecedented times. So we're going to roll with it. Uh, no, no, we're actually, we're real excited to have Jordan on. Uh, just weird way how the internet works got to got to know him over the last little bit uh and uh really excited to talk about some new mutant stuff today so jordan i guess for people who don't know you what's your deal i i'm a tv writer showrunner um and but most importantly a huge x-men fan and i think that's how we connected right we we were Mm -hmm. nerding out on x-men stuff uh, Adam, I think I ran into you at New York Comic Con a few years ago yes. in the yep. back issue uh, bins, <laughs> uh, where I like to spend my time. Uh, digging. Me too. Uh, I think you and I similarly collect weird, obscure X Men stuff. Are you are you a full completist, Adam? No, um, I really go in for you know if it's a big run. I'm assuming I can read it digitally, but if it's an, a unique, weird thing, Zach really got me into this. Like <laughs> if it's a weird thing, like, you know, I, I mentioned that I earlier this year, I got like an issue of Disney adventures with an X-Men cover. You know what I mean? Like those are the weird little things you can't find online. Mm-hmm. And I, I want a copy of that. So I, you're are you a completist are you buying full runs i you... i went there uh yeah I, I hit it i i did that thing where um when my son was born uh in 2013 um i read some of those terrible cbr message boards and really freaked out <laughs> that there was x-men erasure and i uh went out and decided to buy every x-men thing i could uh to create an x-men museum for my child to be raised with all the X stuff I did. And that kind of led me to do full runs of the main books. And then now I'm at a point where I'm buying, I, you know, every mini series, I have pretty much every X related issue, but one, but X-Men one, which, I guess it's not uncanny. Which is? Well, uh, the first one, the first one. X-Men one. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's well, pretty much the only one I'm luck. missing. So if you guys want to, <laughs> you know, gift me anything on my birthday. <laughs> no. <laughs> Listen, of all, of, all your, of all your friends who are in X-Men 1 territory. <laughs> no, I don't, even, I don't want it yet because then the ride's over, right? Oh. The journey comes to an end, so I'm going to wait uh, for the right moment. Uh, don't worry, Jordan. You could always go down the uh, newsstand versus um, 
Yeah. What is it? There, there's two different Record versions versus newsstand. Yes, we can always go down that wormhole. You know. Yeah. People I don't, are crazy. I don't really mess with that or variants. Uh, <laughs> but you, you don't you don't care about which uh, UPC code is on there? <laughs> no. Somehow it doesn't affect my reading of the book. But uh, I like owning the history. I like having a piece of you know that this existed in the '60s and was read. Like I don't care if they're beat up or. Or whatever, but anyway, that's enough about my my uh, comic collecting and boring your <laughs> listeners. About. That's not boring. Uh, we're going to talk though about. Uh, I guess the theme of today is kind of Hellions, kind of Doug. Is that how it's, it worked it's out? New mutants, yeah. It's new mutants adjacent. What happened is one of our great supporters over on Patreon, uh, the website The Real Gentleman of Leisure, uh, who have been uh, Austin Gordon runs that uh, friend of the show. Uh, been writing about x-men for like 13 years on the internet Mm -hmm. so uh they went over and said hey let's uh let's talk about new mutants 30 or 53 and 54 it is the end of chris claremont's time on the new mutants uh and it is I don't know what it's called. Rat Sed- race, I guess. Seduced and abandoned. It's the time the to host. do a scavenger hunt with the Hellions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've got Claremont writing. We've got uh, Rick Leonardi on guest pencils. And, and uh, Sal Buscema. Yes, and Sal. And then we have Terry Austin doing inks. And uh, as always, bless Terry Austin for just being awesome. Uh, this is a... You know, uh, we were talking off the air before we started, uh, Jordan, about you being turned off by Bill Sienkiewicz when you were a kid. Um, There was sort of like a a thread going around earlier this week on Twitter about um, like artists that you maybe didn't like as a kid and Mm -hmm. like now. And I know Rick Leonardi was that for me. Oh, really? Um, yeah, like I remember being a kid and seeing Rick Leonardi stuff and Uncanny and being like, wait, this isn't Mark Silvestri. Uh, <laughs> but I, now I, I love his stuff. I think it's great. No one draws a better Colossus in short shorts than Rick Leonardi. Sounds uh, great. And I actually thought like between these two issues, the art jumped through me because I love Rick Leonardi and I felt like he was kind of doing a little bit of like an Art Adams thing in the first issue. And then when the second one of these had the Sal Buscema stuff, and I love Sal Buscema stuff, especially like the Spectacular Spider-Man stuff, but this felt very early 80s house style Sal Buscema, and it threw me so much. It, it felt like the book reversed like five years, like it, it traveled yeah. back in time. Uh, and then the Terry Austin stuff kind of matched a little more the Rick Leonardi. Again, that all kind of very Art Adams-y style. Right. Yeah, yeah especially... Oh, go ahead, Zach. No, you go. Oh, I was going to say, especially when Terry Austin, uh, you know, is so associated with Art Adams' work in that period. Whenever he inks somebody else, it still kind of looks like Art Adams from the mm-hmm. '80s. So uh, it's cool. Um, so the plot here is pretty simple, right? We've uh, got Magneto. Yeah, who, uh, uh, Magneto has taken the kids to the, the New Mutants kids to the Hellfire Club because they're having a Hellfire Gala. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, you, I forgot. I forgot that they were doing the Hellfire Gala at these. Yeah, I mean he's he's a responsible headmaster who brings his underage kids to a high society bondage club that he is a <laughs> member of, and uh, lets them loose to have fun with their other uh, student friends. I do like when the 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 first issue I think is really the stronger of the two here because you get to see the new mutants having fun. 
you get some wild, wild stuff. Like, listen, Chris Claremont decides subtext is for cowards uh, <laughs> in most of this, especially the stuff with uh, Wolfsbane and Cat's Eye, who mm-hmm. just decide to just go and be animals with one another. <laughs> Get naked and frolic ways. and chase each other around the Hellfire Club. and It sure is a thing that he wrote. Yeah. Well, it. I, I, can we talk about the Chris Claremont of this really quick? I just want to kind of zoom out. Sorry. Uh, yes. So this is the end of his run, right? He's been writing mm-hmm. these characters since the, the graphic novel first appearance. I yep. found this, like, uh, I think this story's fine, but I found it very underwhelming to be his last story with these characters mm. in a way that I feel like, again, he's just to back up. He's my like writing hero. I love Chris Claremont. Like he is a huge influence on everything I do. Long form storytelling, but he tends to end his runs in like, I don't know, in, in bad issues, like X-Men, <laughs> X-Men three, right. Is his last one, you know, uh, in new, in, in mutant Genesis, like they're really underwhelming ends to great runs. And I, I, I forgot that this was the last story he did for new mutants. You know, I wonder how much of that has to do with the way that on his big runs, how they ended. Cause X-Men did not end on his terms. <laughs> yeah. no, not at all. New Mutants, you know, more or less did, but it was at a point of, hey, I, I, if you want me to launch Wolverine and Excalibur, I've got to drop New Mutants here. Mm-hmm. You know, put Wheezy on it for a few issues that turns into the rest of the run. Uh, you know, so, I mean, he wasn't building up to that. If anything, you could say his New Mutants really hits a capstone just a few issues beforehand with uh, issue 50, issue 50. Uh, where they go and meet Xavier and fight the Magus and do all of that time travel nonsense that Claremont loves. Uh, But then you get like his Excalibur kind of ends because he needs it to end because he's busy trying to launch (laughs) X-Men. His Wolverine. I mean, he, he's only telling a short thing in Wolverine. So I guess that's a bit of a different thing, but like I, that is very interesting. I don't associate Claremont with endings. I'm trying Mm -hmm. to think of the books of his I've read that have just, ended because he wanted them to end at that point and he was done telling a story right well the funny thing is he he comes back years later right and he does x-men the end and he did there was a new mutants one if he had continued right forever forever. and those are terrible great (laughs) new mutants new mutants forever is very low on the list we have been blessed not to have to talk about (laughs) x-men the end I have not read that in several years. And it's and a I lot, am, right? It's a lot. I am fascinated about going back to yeah. X-Men the end because I know it's <laughs> Buck Wild. Well, the other thing that's interesting here is is things he's setting up or clearing off the table for mm-hmm. Wheezy to come in. So the mm-hmm. first thing that this issue opens, right, is on Doug Locke having or sorry, Doug having these nightmares that he's been infected by the techno organic virus from Warlock. And that is fascinating and really interesting and then that doesn't get really picked up right in Weezy's run that comes back later in Excalibur right so he's he's even planting stuff in his last issue that she doesn't want (laughs) to pick up and run with which is very interesting and the same thing of like um you know magma's kind of being set up to be taken out off the team uh Mm -hmm. karma leaves it's a really interesting like uh, quick wrap up in two issues because Karma's just back on the team uh, right. pretty recently, right? And then clearly, I think maybe they didn't have plans for her. 
I don't know. There's well, okay, okay, okay. We need to talk about the karma thing because <laughs> there were plans, and at some point, I will write the definitive thing about what those plans were. Uh, you know, Fallen Angels, right, Jordan? Yeah, big fan. I, uh, you know, about Fallen Angels too. Oh yeah, that did never happen, but was written and drawn. Fallen Angels 2 had two 40-page issues completely drawn in the start of a third one, and long story short, was canceled because the writer of Fallen Angels 2 would not tone down or remove the bestiality subplot that she had in there. Well, you gotta, you know, you gotta stand by your art, right? And... <laughs> I, don't, I don't often say Jim Shooter was right, but I do understand where he was coming from. On this sometimes, sometimes he is. Sometimes he is. Uh... He, he, he has his moments. Uh, but no, uh, so in that, uh, one of the subplots that was going into Fallen Angels 2 was going to be missing children. They were being Pied Pipered away, including uh, Karma's brother and sister. They were going to be part of that. Yeah. So that was all going to tie in, and then that book got shelved uh, indefinitely, and then Karma was just kind of hanging out there, and they didn't want to bring her back. So then she she ends up back in like early, early 90s Wolverine, one arc, and then doesn't show up again in any real form until Claremont comes back with mechanics. No, she comes back. She's there burning man. She is. She's. She's at oh, right. <laughs> Believe me, I do not forget. You know, Can't our pink or poly princess. But no, that's really um, unfortunate for the character because I feel like these siblings of hers derail her constantly. Oh, she's constantly yep. written out of a book because she's off chasing these kids. And I love in the current New Mutants arc, it's yes. kind of her saying, "I'm done with." looking after these siblings and being responsible for them. They've taken me out of continuity for 30 years and I'd like to be a character again. And uh, it's a, it's a weird thing where this feels like a big crossroads. And now that you you told me about Fallen Angels 2, it makes more sense. But like if karma had stayed in the book, would she be as big as some of these other characters? Cause she's constantly written out and then has a big return and then written out again. Always, always. It's an interesting spot. Uh, similarly, another character who's about to get written out of this book, Cipher, does get he gets a he gets a, some interesting uh, storylines here. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I I, well, I wanted uh, to talk about that because you know it's always joked that the Hellions are basically a, a an evil carbon copy of the New Mutants, and each one of their uh, counterparts gets paired up. Uh, so Danny gets. Paired up with Warpath, um, uh, Doug Cannibal and Jetstream get a fun little right, right. Um, and what happens to Doug is he gets paired up with uh, Roulette, right? Yep. Um, and you know ends up being sort of like a drunk party goer, gambler guy. It's uh, it's fun, yeah. you know. Doug, Doug has that moment that I think a lot of people can relate to when he's like, "Oh, I like alcohol." I have no upper limit, right? And then he quickly finds out that he does. Well, going into this, Doug has felt like the most useless member of the New Mutants, right? Like that's right. been sure. it, which I love. I think that like people wrote into the book and they're like, kill him, Louis Simonson. This character sucks. He's useless. But I love the idea of a guy who feels inadequate on a team full of heroes. I think that's a really interesting thing you don't see in a lot of comic books. And then he found he finds Warlock and Warlock he can bond with him and he has a power suit made out of Warlock and suddenly he can be a heavy hitter if he needs to be. And then Warlock leaves 
to go after Sunspot for Fallen Angels, and that's where we are where this picks up. So it puts Doug in this place where he, he had power, he loses it, and now he feels useless again, and he it's really weighing on him, and he's kind of acting out, I think, at this party, and that's what's kind of driving him. He absolutely is, because the moment he feels like he's actually done something for himself, winning at poker, uh, he keeps drinking, has fun, goes goes back to a back room of the club to have a, a nice time with Roulette, and then finds out that she was using her luck powers to make him win. And not just Roulette, by the way, he's having he's having an orgy with the staff at right. the Hellfire Club <laughs> and Roulette. This is true. <laughs> this this is this is just on the page. Yep. Uh, he then gets very mad and. Uh, he hits roulette and then says, we're, go- we're going to do this. We're going to do a big fight because that's what we're going to do. And then everyone gets mad. And eventually the coolest heads on both teams, uh, Mirage and uh, Thunderbird say, could we, could we seriously not guys? Like we're just trying to have a good time. And they're like, how about we have a scavenger hunt instead and try and find some statue Celine wanted. <laughs> Yes, yeah. the statue that was brought to the party by someone seeking control over Selene, but it turns out it's a copy of the statue. So to go on this scavenger hunt, of course, the New Mutants need their very ugly graduation costumes. Yeah, it's the weirdest stakes. It's like, I hate you. I hate you. Let's find out who <laughs> ripped off this guy we don't know. That'll be a way to solve this. Like, it's it's very odd how this comes to well, be, where they're just looking around the room for anything to create a contest over. And there's this and one we, guy uh, who's who's brought a statue of Celine to impress them, so he'd be a grand cardinal or something. Right, right. And then we get the the Viper and Silver Samurai cameo. Uh, they're just, just here. They're, they're, just, they're enjoying. They just, they stole from a guy and counterfeited <laughs> a statue for some reason. It doesn't make sense. The end of this just it just kind of weirdly peters out. The New Mutants do lose the scavenger hunt, which is fun. Yes. The hell is like we are like competent and we're not all evil. We don't trust empath or roulette, but the rest of us are pretty chill y'all. And frankly, I mean, it's not like the new mutants don't have an evil person on their team. We just <laughs> like her. Cause she's got a big sword. And this uh, all concludes with them finding out that karma has uh, left the team. She has written a letter and she is, she's out. And you know, um, the very next issue marks Brett Blevins and Louis Simonson taking over the book. And it's a, it's a pretty big shift. Um, and I would say the first of these two issues is, is much better than the second one. Oh yeah. Um, the scavenger. Yeah. And that's why we didn't spend much time on it. Cause the scavenger hunt, uh, hunt part is not nearly as fun yeah. as some of the other times that the two teams have run into each other. Well, there's some weird will. parts to it. There's a part where they're breaking into Viper's compound and Mirage uses her power to let someone see their heart's desire. And it's the Easter bunny, which is very <laughs> strange. There's like baffling moments like that. There's a, a Doug does kind of a sacrifice himself test run because they're mm-hmm. all wearing their, um, their graduation costumes from the annual. And someone's going to shoot Danny and he jumps in front of her and takes the blast. But luckily he decides that his, graduation costumes bulletproof or something like that so he ends up being fine right. but it's like it's such a funny beat to have you know maybe 10 issues before he does it again uh, <laughs> it's so weird because you know based on you know these are these are well documented times like they they weren't planning on killing Doug yet 
And it's very weird that he does the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, he's practicing for his great yes. sacrifice. And then they have this really interesting, like, Warpath does this thing where he's like, I let you spy on me. So you go to the wrong place because I knew you were going to do that. So I did that. It's one of those, like, I'm like, he does like a Batman on them where he's like, I was right. two steps ahead of you. Triple but cross. It's interesting that you never see Warpath kind of in a leadership role like this because he's, he's leading the Hellions. And then... Mm-hmm. The next time we see him, he's kind of always just more the muscle, right, of, of X-Force. So it's kind of I love in this role. I love Jimmy. I wish he had more attention. Like, I I am loving what, what's being done with him in VDA All as New Mutants. I wish that wasn't being done in an ensemble book where he's one of, like, 12 characters getting attention. Like, he's not been someone who's been treated well in a very long time and just i'd love for someone to get a little bit more a little bit more tender love and care with him because he's a fascinating character absolutely he just needs that like definitive run i think no yeah, one's told that that perfect warpath story yet <laughs> all right what do we say we uh, rank this on the the big old list gentlemen oh you're talking about our big old list of all the x-men comics of all time we have 567 stories on this list uh, with the number one story being the House of X, the Powers of Ten, the number 100th story being X-Force, 19 through 24, Assault on Grey Malkin. Uh, number 200 is Mr. and Mrs. X, 1 through 5, Love and Marriage. Number 300 on this list is Uncanny X-Men, 341 to 344. That time, Cannonball fought Gladiator, and then there was some weird space stuff that we all forget. <laughs> uh, number 400 on this list is X-Men... Volume 4, 23 through 26, The Burning World. Uh, number 500 on our list is Uncanny X-Men 291 to 293, The Morlocks Take Manhattan. And the bottom story on our list at 567 is the Draco. Yeah, so th- this is minor New Mutants. You know, as Jordan mentioned, this is not like, a, a, you know, a real huge, big statement. Um so, you know, I would I would say still it's it's in like the top half of our list. Like this is better than what's at 300 right now, that cannonball fighting gladiator, which is a good issue. And then there's three more issues of that story arc. That's not good. I, I would yeah. argue that the, the, the strength of this is Doug, right? Like it's a yes. really good even though Doug does some terrible things in this, but. The, the characterization is so strong of his insecurity is getting the worst of him. He's missing his best friend who he feels abandoned by. And it's really kind of this tragic Doug story that's going to lead up to his death. And you get little hints of the stuff that we're going to talk about, I think, later about how his power sets can be expanded. Um, yeah. And the stuff, body language. The, yeah. And then and the, the body horror, too, of possibly being infected by his best friend. Uh, you know, and, and that happening inside of him, that there's some great character moments and there's small ones for some of the other characters too, that I would say strengthen this above being just a mediocre story. Yeah, I I agree. I would agree with that. I think this is better than, uh, what we have at, uh, 263, which is the start of the purple era of X-Force, the Jeff Loeb stuff. Like, I think this is above that. You know what this um, is very similar to in terms of just very like, to? Uh, you know, tone and, and quote unquote importance is a 255. We have Christina Strain's Generation X six and seven. Um, that's the uh, that's the 
That is the uh, the super villain auction. I yes. wonder. I wonder if anyone would ever do an idea like that. <laughs> you caught me. Sorry, uh, <laughs> strain. Your ideas are too good. I had to steal them. Uh, <laughs> but we're we're in similar territory there, right? You know, Actually, it's... I think I think this one is stronger than that. On I do too. The terms of art by itself, like we we may have been given Salvushema a hard time. I like his art better than the Coda art in that. Yeah. Um, I don't think this is as high as Spider-Man perceptions. Um, that time Spidey teamed up with Wolverine to stop Wendigo. Okay. I mean, you like that story though. So that's going to be something. (laughs) (laughs) Would you put it higher than that though? I'm not putting it higher than brood trouble in the big easy at 246. No, I think that's fair. Brood trouble is pretty good. Yeah. Um, plus if you went one spot up, you got your beloved glob loves man kills there, Zach. Okay. But that's not, that's just the best named glob Herman story. It's not the best glob Herman story. It's not even the best glob Herman story. Ed Brisson wrote. It's like fourth on the list of glob Herman stories. Ed Brisson wrote because the man loves glob. Uh, uh, I do think, I do think though, this is, this is better than the first arc of the Lemire old man, Logan. Uh, and I would, I would say this is just under the Captain America Secret Empire. No, not that one. Yeah, the original OG. Yeah, the but, one that's secretly an X-Men story. Yeah, so we're talking about putting this ahead of Uncanny 160, um, which is... the Shoots and Ladders. That's the, that's, the, that's the introduction of Limbo. Right. First appearance of Belasco. Um, which... um, did, did no... Belasco's a Kazar character, my dude. Man, I don't know. <laughs> you <Okay>. should. <laughs> I'm, we're not going to get into Kazar right now. Uh, you remember how last episode I said I was turning into a Swamp Thing guy? After Swamp Thing, I'm going to become a Kazar guy. I'm just, well, I'm just letting you know what my reading order is looking like. New Kazar is awesome. Uh, are you reading that, Jordan? Good. Yes, loving it. So good, so good. Well, uh, Jordan, what do you think? Is, is this better or worse than uh, Uncanny X Men One Sixty? Shoots and line. I'm trying to remember what that what what else is happening in that issue. You gave me a little more than limbo. That that is the issue after um, uh, Storm and Dracula, right? And then then that's they're on on the Octopusheim Island, ILM or whatever. I guess we're calling this is is a Cockrum joint. It is uh, Brent Anderson doing a fill in. It is Brent Anderson, Bob Wyatchek, and I believe that's the issue that. Right, that Ileana gets it's, abducted. It's when Ileana gets aged up. Okay, right. I think that's such an important part of the history. Like this, there's nothing important that happens in this comic, so I would put it under that. All right. Okay, then this can be our new two fifty three. Nice, very cool. cool. All right, now so, for something a a bit shorter. Yes, I'm in, I'm interested in this because Adam, you told me. Uh, earlier and you know last episode pretty much confirms it you're not a new warriors guy (laughs) oh my god last episode classic uh no however um it was important to me as i was doing my uh attempt to get through the 90s that i at least track down the issues that have to do with um the connections to X-Force because X-Force and New Warriors do actually cross over quite a bit. So this is one I had read before and it's New Warriors 31. Who mourns the Hellions? Well, this brings up an interesting debate, right? Is Firestar an X-Men? Yeah, it's, I don't know. Okay. So 
hold okay <laughs> the answer i think is no is no because firestar is a spider-man character except for she's never really interacted with spider-man in any substantive right. way that wasn't on the television set right they do some reunions and she was on the team with with the spider clone but mm-hmm. not because uh, he joined new warriors by the way i don't know if you know that scarlet spider a new warrior hmm wait mm-hmm. hold on wow are we talking ben riley or are we talking about kane are ben you talking riley. about kane ben riley card carrying new warrior when did Ben Riley join? I don't know enough about New Warriors. Towards, towards the end of the the original run, I believe. But um, but there's the thing is, I always think her first appearance. I mean, her real first appearance is that miniseries, right? Mm-hmm. The, and that is her almost joining the New Mutants, then joining the Hellions, then having her horse killed by Emma Frost. Like yep. uh, that's pretty. You know, that's 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 an X Men origin right there. Then she goes away, and then. I think this is an interesting issue in that it it pulls her back into the world of X-Men. Yeah, because I, I think of her as... I honestly think of her as a new Warriors character more than anything else. But that may be because I have not read the uh, Kurt Busiek uh, Avengers. Mm-hmm. Where she well, also is features prominently. She's more Jordan's- a new Warrior. I've read both, and she's more of a new Warrior, I would say. Uh, they, don't, they don't give her a ton to do in that Kurt Busiek run. Is that... Is that the one where she gets cancer? Yeah. Where her superpowers gave her cancer? Oof. Yeah. That's never my favorite plot. Oh, don't like that. Um, but you, Jordan's bringing up a good point, which is that this issue specifically is like, well, Firestar, you were a Hellion. And it's like, well, you kind of were. She was a Hellion for like a spell. Yeah, yeah. Like, a, like a tat. So now that the Hellions have been unceremoniously killed by uh, Will Sportacio... Um, <laughs> by the artist, not, not Trevor Fitzroy. <laughs> well, you know, that was very clearly like a plot designed by Jim Lee and, and Wills uh, that had, yeah. you know, Chris Claremont probably didn't have any say in that. No, like, John Byrne had say in it. Yes, yes. So um, uh, here we have them traveling to Nova Roma, the set of Indiana Jones 5. Um, oh boy, problematic <laughs> Nova Roma. <laughs> There's a moment Dude, where I <laughs> is, is there a moment where Firestar kind of calls it out where they're like, look at this place. It's glorious. It's amazing. And she, and she says something like, it's kind of weird. Or like, she's like, she's not as like excited by it. And I think that's the uh, appropriate reaction to Nova Roma. I do like to think that Argentinian born Fabian Niciesa looked at this and said, y'all know this wasn't one of Chris's best ideas. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to, I want to try and fix it. Because that's what Fabian liked to do. He liked to try and fix things. And he tries to fix Nova Roma. It doesn't stick. But he does try really hard here. That's really the whole point of this issue. Yeah. It is. Because because what happens generally here, the new or the Hellions have died. Warpath is like, I should I should probably tell Firestar that all of our friends are dead. And Cannonball's like, well, I'll come with you. Because Fabian Nicieza, who writes this with Derek Robertson on pencils, uh, by the way, in case we didn't mention that. The boys, Derek go... Robertson. Creator that of the is boys. the boys, Derek oh, Robertson, right. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I love cool. his pencils here. I'm such a fan of him during this era. I mean, always, but this era is awesome. He's got a, um, 
there's a couple places here where he very much looks like Andrew Wildman stuff, like the Transformers artist who jumped on X-Men Adventures. Oh, it's right. interesting. Like he's got that sort of same sensibility to, uh, to the way he draws, but it's, it's a nicely drawn issue for sure. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they travel down to go tell magma and em- really empath yeah. that all of their friends, they have to tell the worst one of their friends oh. that he survived <laughs> and all of the ones they actually like didn't. I do love the fact that they tried to call and yeah, nobody picked did. up. So they're like, ah, I guess we're going over Rome. <laughs> They get dropped guys... off in Rio de Janeiro and then hike through Oof. a jungle to get there just to be like, hey, your friends are dead. Uh, <laughs> peace. <laughs> Sucks. What we find out is that Empath has been manipulating all of the Nova Romans to believe the lie that Celine had told them that they were, uh, you know, Nova Roma, like a Roman colony in the Brazilian jungle. And really they were just some people that she kidnapped once. Right. And also and that- Magma's name is Alison Crestmere. That's, that's the whole story. It just ends like that. And they're like, that's, that's okay. <laughs> Only to be undone in like 10 years by Claremont. It's like, no, 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 no. This was a good idea. And you were <laughs> lying. And uh, I, I don't even know where we are in the, the retcons of, of Nova Roma at this point. I think we've accepted it. But last I checked, Nova Roma got attacked and mostly dead. Yeah. I'm trying not to think about Nova Roma. I believe Roma, that's where we honest. are right now, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, this also follows up. I guess we had, if you read other new warriors issues. I, I believe they had talked about magma going off with empath. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we knew that this had gotten set up, but by the time they get there, the, everybody's like a, a zombie. Uh, uh, they're all just mind controlled. So empath then turns the rest of the team um, against firestar and uh, firestar is like the hero of this issue and even gets a costume redesign at the end of the, uh, of the issue. What do you guys like better, the original costume or this redesign? I like the original one better. Me too. The, the redesign, I, redesign's it's nice. Fine. It's, it's nice. Fine. It, I don't think Firestar has a good costume either way, to be honest. Oh, I love the original. I'm a big, big Firestar fan. But uh, I think the, the redesign feels like an appropriate 90s costume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not terrible. Oh. Um. So there's not a lot to this issue, but especially if you were just kind of wondering what the heck happened to Magma. Um, I'm always <laughs> wondering that. Yeah. I mean, it's a character, another new mutant that just sort of gets forgotten about periodically for long periods of time. And uh, it's still important if you, if you haven't read this one to catch up with where the character went in between. Yeah, if you don't read if you don't read the new the new warriors issues that have like the Hellions and X Force in it, how are you gonna know about B for Bevatron? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and they try oh, and make beef. they try and make Empath a little sympathetic in this, where he's like, "This is the first time I felt like I found a family." So for their own good, I turned them into zombies because I didn't want to lose my family. And that's kind of how that ends, right? Like, and they're like, come I, on. I, I feel like Empath is a very hard character for me to be empathetic with. Uh, I think Zeb Wells has come the closest with his current run on Hellions. I still don't like Empath and am happy every time he dies. <laughs> I think the other interesting thing that happens at the end of this issue is that... Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> Jimmy goes into the Massachusetts Academy to find a binder that is the yeah. quote unquote. It says Hellion's master file in parentheses secret. <laughs> and it's that's the only information about them at all that exists in the world. And, and Firestar burns it. And so now no one knows they're dead and all of their history has been erased. They can start anew, but it's just hilarious that he's got this, like, I found that baffling. Cause it's like, how do we honor <laughs> our dead friends? Let's erase them from history. Yeah. And burn everything yeah. that they ever, okay. Now we can get new costumes and move <laughs> on. And it's like, what? How is that warning anyone? That's a, that's a weird sitting Shiva where you're just like, get everything that they've ever appeared in. Let's burn it. So they, we erase them from history. It's very strange. Very strange. Listen, that's essentially what did happen to the Hellions for um, thirty years. So pretty much, which pretty I think much. is a bummer because I think they were a great concept for the new mutants book. Like the idea of the rival school, where they were, you know, they'd have love interests and they'd have you know characters that were challenging them, but they had to still come together for dances, like. It's the mm-hmm. perfect, like, YA rival school, you know? Kind mm-hmm. of thing. Oh, yeah. And uh, they, you know, not a, not a great ending for their story. But no. I do feel like there's still more to tell. I would love to see Wolfsbane and Cat's Eye meet up on uh, Krakoa. Has Cat's Eye shown up on Krakoa? Yeah, remember Ampath, uh, like, possessed Oh, oh yeah, start of Hellions, Cat's Eye, uh, yeah. Quick cameo, but what was there? Listen, a lot of people have shown up on Krakoa. And there's a lot of cat-based X, but I cannot. Um, let's let's rank this one. Yes. Uh, we don't have any new warriors on this list, I don't believe, because we've not done children's play or child's play. No. Nope. Um, nor have we. Did we do that one annual? Uh, what's the annual crossover uh, with? Kings of Pain. Yeah, Kings of Pain. Do we ever do Kings of Pain? I don't think we did. No, we haven't. That's no. weird. Okay. Why did I read Kings of Pain recently then? <laughs> Must have been those one. Mignola covers. Those covers are good. <laughs> Sucked um, in. I, okay, right now at number 400, we have X-Men 4 through 5, The Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, which is, again, one really good issue and then one really bad issue. Uh, yeah, I don't think this is as good as that. Um it's not as good as 412, which is the time that Dazzler became the Herald of Galactus. I would agree with that. Uh, I don't think this is as good as the Amazing Adventures stuff with Beast. This is better than Emperor Vulcan, though. At 420, blaze it. Uh, yep. I think it's better than Five Lights at 419. Jordan, how do you feel about this compared to Wolverine Enemy of the State at 417? I mean, I think Enemy of the State's better. It's got fun stuff. It's it's silly Mark Millar, you know, early off It stuff, is prettier. But it, it looks cool. And, you know, it's there's some good action sequences. And this is just a very talky, um, you know. Uh, again, it's the whole thing is built to be a retcon versus, like, let's have fun, which I think they were trying to do in Wolverine Enemy of the State. And sometimes mm-hmm. it was, sometimes it wasn't. I think it's more successful in what it's trying to do, where this is just like, let's build a story around a, a retcon and not really do much else. I agree. I agree. I right. Adam, how do you feel about it? Or Jordan, if you have a pit, an opinion on what if volume two, number 13, what if the professor Xavier was juggernaut? Uh, I love that. <laughs> but I love that. <laughs> that. <laughs> what if run. So I would put it in between those, maybe. 
I will put it. We we will put it below that one above Five Lights. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's the that's right a good spot. spot for it. I think that's the right spot. That's four nineteen. I I can never tell who has opinions on random nineties issues of What If because for me they all blend together. But I yeah, they're wasn't all the like X Men reading died. them at the time. Every time everybody dies, everyone that's what dies, if. and look how much worse it's could have been. Is basically frankly, every What If from that era. Yeah. Frankly, and I'm not I'm not going to make anybody here talk about sister properties to things that they've developed. But I feel like if there's a flaw in the in the Walt Disney's What If, it's that everybody didn't die at the end of every episode. I feel yeah. like that's not honoring the spirit of What If in the right way. Too much. Life. I also only watched one episode. I'm going to be very honest. <laughs> didn't it happen in the Doctor Strange episode? I'm that pretty sure. Okay, so zombies. I watched one episode and said, "This is cool. I'll catch up on this sometime when I just need something to burn through." There, there were episodes where everybody did die, if I remember. Yeah. Well, then Kevin Feige beats me again. Darn it! <laughs> it's a, it's a real hit or miss. I think anthology show. So there's sure. some that are really good I mean, and some that are like, like what yeah, if? yeah, it's very true to its comic origins. I mean, I, I remember my entire thought process of it was, oh yeah, no, they captured pretty much every conflicting feeling I have about what if here. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of everybody dying, our final story comes to us from the Necrotia crossover. Yeah, this is one that we hadn't covered yet. It's actually our last Necrotia story. Uh, it's the New Mutants one, New Mutants six through seven or six through eight. Written by Zeb Wells with art by Diogenes Nevis. Uh, so I have to say, before is... I talk about this, Zeb is a friend. So I'm going to go okay. real hard at this. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Good. Zeb. Zeb's great. Love Hellions. Uh, I actually, we have his, this New Mutants run, just, just so we are uh, being real. I don't know Zeb from anybody else. He seems nice. Uh we have what is it? The New Mutants. Where do we have R- Fallen Rise of the New Mutants at? It's just outside of the top one hundred. It's good. It uh, is a really good run. Um, Zeb's good at this stuff, and it drives me crazy. But uh, yeah, I think this is this is a really interesting one in that it's kind of I felt like one big fight scene through the eyes of Doug. It is. Uh, yeah. Doug gets resurrected by Celine because he already had the from from the first issue we talked about. He already had like the warlock junk inside of him, so he was very easy to resurrect. Mm-hmm. Uh, he comes back, but he's being possessed by Celine and being evil. And Celine wants a few things. Uh, mostly, she wants revenge on Magma for being her granddaughter. Listen, Celine doesn't need good motives. She's just mean. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, and she wants the new mutants taken out and wants Doug to do it. Uh, Doug and the recently resurrected Hellions. And Doug's feeling conflicted this whole time. Uh, he's also showing off new powers where he's a super ninja because he can read everyone's body language super good and that makes him good at fighting. Which you- I feel like would just make him good at knowing that he's about to get punched, but not <laughs> good at dodging that punch. I know this is a controversial thing. Like, There's people really split on this, this Doug story. I love it because to me it feels like some Grant Morrison nonsense that I love, you know, where it's like (laughs) everything is a language if you know how to look for it. And that makes Doug actually pretty powerful and cool. And I was, I remember really enjoying this when I first read it. So I know the internet has different opinions on this Doug 
I'm the internet. I, I think that the appeal of Doug as a character, especially in the initial New Mutants, is exactly what you pointed out earlier, that he was the guy who didn't feel like he could contribute to the team. He didn't know how he could. And I feel like when you take that away from him, and I think later in this run is actually a when Zeb leaves and Dan Ant, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning get on and do a big Doug becomes the evil overlord of the world story to end this entire run. Uh, I think that makes it a little harder, but I think anytime you're like, Oh, well, Doug's actually the most powerful guy like that loses me. I like him a lot mm-hmm. better in the current, you know, status quo of X-Men where it's not that he's not powerful. It's just, he's useful at things that aren't fights. Mm, right. And I think that, I think that works really well for him and positions him in a cool place. I also do not care for the number of puns based on the word language that are used here. <laughs> and I, I don't care for, you know, Joe Caramanga is a fantastic letterer. 99% of the time he writes half of Doug's internal thoughts in black text boxes with red text but also random spots of white and it's at least on digital it's a bear to read (laughs) here's what i will say about the body language thing i do prefer that to the um i think at some point in continuity he can like talk to just about any piece of machinery like he can talk and he's speaking in binary code and this is kind of like that but I can at least get past it because he's being controlled. Like he's sort of, you know, he's, he's being a mind controlled zombie. Um, what is interesting is that, you know, he's just basically coming in and smacking magma in the head with a lead pipe, uh, <laughs> which causes the new mutants to uh, go after him. And then warlock shows up and is like, yo, what are you doing to my buddy here? What's going on? Fair. Good yeah. reaction from warlock. Yeah. Yeah. And then he rips Warlock's head off and throws it into the ocean. Uh, Okay, listen. (laughs) That's not my favorite. I will say that Warlock's head uh, turning into a Warlock crab because he absorbs a crab from the ocean (laughs) and climbing back onto the beach using his crab legs rules. He's not a big crab. He's not like a Hollywood final boss crab. He's just like 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 a little soft shell boy. Yeah, he's like Sebastian from Little Mermaid. It's that part. That's that's great. The part where uh, he beats the Hellions by calling on his missile friends that he had met the issue before this, uh, and says, "Hey, you guys should help me." And they're like, "I don't know if we should die." And in a great line of dialogue, the missiles, who only have like three lines, <laughs> are like, "No, this is our sole purpose in being. We must explode." <laughs> We that's, did we did skip a part though, good. and that's that when the Hellions actually show up, uh, which are preceded by a vision of uh, the devil, who just you know walking around with a pitchfork. <laughs> thanks that's, to what that's tarot. That's yeah. tarot. Tarot yeah. did that. Yeah, it's just funny. Like it's good because <laughs> they're all reacting. They're like, should we address this devil? Should we talk to yeah. the devil? This is the devil, right? And then they realize it's Tara. Yeah. Um, so. I, I'm not a huge fan of the art in these, um, you know, especially the way that Neves draws the, uh, you know, draws Warlock doesn't do a lot for me. Um, you know, it, it, there's, there's multiple ways you can play with Warlock. One is to go super scribbly. One is to go super cartoony. And I feel like this is neither. 
you know, it's sort of like in that in-between gray area. I do agree, Zach, the, uh, the warlock crab is a lot of fun. <laughs> warlock crab's good. Like that's. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that's, that's just one of those, like, I don't actually have anything to say. Please save me. I was going down a tangent and I thought something <laughs> and good, I didn't. It's a very Zeb moment that I, I love. Uh, well, one of the scenes that we haven't talked about is the very first scene in the in the first issue is Xavier kind of being reunited with the oh, new mutants. Right. And, and Doug is watching from a distance and he does this really fun thing where he's kind of saying what's not being said or kind of the mm. undertones of what's being said. And mm-hmm. it's a really See, fun one of Xavier being like, sorry I stole your youth and turned you into child soldiers. And it's kind of a fun <laughs> thing that people have always criticized Xavier of doing. And it's really fun to have an actual character call him out on that. It, that I love like that. When Doug's understanding of body language means that he can have more critical, like depth to a conversation and understand the subtle social cues and everything that someone actually means when it comes to language. I love that. I just don't love the fact that Doug can kick good. That's, that's my <laughs> yeah. entire line is he shouldn't be able to do that. I agree this, with you that it doesn't work well for Doug. I just like that idea of like, again, sure. the concept of someone who can read languages, understanding fight language is really funny to me. It's very comic booky in the way that I love comic booky stuff. The other I, thing that Zeb does here and the last issue, which I just think is hilarious, is he brings Farrell into the issue, has Sunspot rip off her arm, and then it is it Karma who throws Mirage, the, yeah. oh, Mirage throws the arm and says, like, fetch. <laughs> and Farrell falls the arm out, falls to her, you know, whatever. It's I love that scene. It's so stupid. Yeah. A lot of fun. It was a weird event. It's some good clowning on Feral, which I'm always here for. And then the other one that's a really weird Zeb moment that I loved was Jetstream gets cut in half by a door. Uh, And somehow they're kind of like putting him back together, but there's like exposed flesh wounds. And Cat's Eye comes over and just starts eating or licking a part of it. And she can't help herself. (laughs) That's very good. Uh, There's some fun, fun stuff in this, I think good bits i i really when when wells hits his stride on new mutants which i really think is that last fallen rise of the new mutants arc which is fantastic by all means with the inferno babies yes love that when when he does that it's one of my favorite things i think his hellions is fantastic i don't think necrotia rises to those heights Mm-hmm. But I think I think this is I, like I like this better than his first arc uh, with Legion. So that puts us in a good amount of territory. Adam, what's your what's your thoughts? How do you feel about this compared to number two hundred, uh, Mister and Mrs. X one through five, Love and Marriage? Uh, I don't think it's. Uh... Here's the thing: like Zeb is trying to go for this big emotional arc. Uh, the issue last issue ends with Warlock stabbing Doug with the Soul Sword and healing him. It doesn't right. quite land for me. Um, I think what will make it land is if you like the line, you are my language or not, which I know there are people who absolutely adore Hmm. and it does not land for me because I've been given language puns for the last three issues. I'm like, okay, (laughs) we're ending it on another one. Yeah. I don't think this is as good as like the first new mutant story we ranked today at 253. So I think we're lower than that. 
I don't think we're that much lower, though, because, like, I'm looking. Is this, okay, no, at 273 is Here Comes Tomorrow. I don't think anyone would be upset by saying that that Grant Morrison story, as weird as it is, is probably better than this. I would agree. Yeah, I think there's more happens in a lot of these too. Like it, there's, it's really just a Doug's back, and we're gonna fight him, and we're gonna get a little insight into how he's thinking and operating. Right, that's really the majority of the story. What I would say is this is probably better than two ninety one, which is New Mutants: Truth or Death, I would which agree. is that weird mini series where Ileana gets the legacy virus from her evil brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Probably not as good as. It's definitely two. it's not as good as two eighty five, which is that's what I was going to say. Nightcrawler versus Arcade. That's that's a better issue. Um, this is. I think this is better than the song for Song of Morning, a Cry of Joy, the Threnody issue. That I actually don't remember what happens <laughs> in, except for that Threnody's there, and I know everything that happens in this Necrotia issue. Yeah, that's kind of the issue where Beast starts to become a villain. Right. Like he's right. fascinated by Sinister's research. So oh, right, uh, right, right. Jordan, does that sound like a good place for it? In yeah, I think this is better than that one. Yeah, for sure. All right. This would be our new 286. 286, a solid showing. If you listen, folks, if you like Zeb Wells and you have not read uh, this, go check that out. Also, check out that Spider-Man story where the lizard eats a boy. Uh, <laughs> go check out those. Zeb's really Zeb good at what he does. Yeah, actually, actually, folks. Go check out Zepwell's and Dylan Burnett's Ant-Man if you mm. didn't check that out from right before COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fantastic. It's that that is an exciting run. That showcases his humor really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what we've got. I want to thank uh, the Real Gentleman of Leisure for supporting the show. If you want to be like them, you can go over to patreon.com slash comicsxf. Uh, reach deep down into your hearts and in your pocketbooks and toss a couple coins in our coffers. Make us make the site run. Uh, and you get you can get an episode based around one of your suggestions. Uh, also, more importantly, I want to thank Jordan. Jordan, what have you got going on that you want the people to know about? Because this was uh, super fun. I'm glad we had you. Yeah. Um, tons of stuff I can't talk about right now, uh, but I'm There'll be more stuff coming for me from Marvel and all over uh, and some comic book stuff. But um, right now uh, you can go get Modoc head games uh, in trade at your local comic store. Um, and uh, Modoc on, on Hulu is available right now. Yeah, folks, here's the thing about, and I'm, I've told Jordan all this before, so he's not going to, he's not going to be shocked. Uh, Modoc on Hulu is really fun a great time uh adam i don't know if you had this experience not a show for wives is what i found <laughs> my, my wife did not enjoy it she's like zach you have some weird humor i, I, I apologize feel like, zach, to her. zach you just keep like I, I think we had this conversation on on the slack you keep uh bringing everybody into this demographic and I don't of think wives? no i i'm essentially <laughs> just talking about my wife that is fair <laughs> there are gotta be Millions of wives out there who love that show because it was hilarious. Billions even. Now, I, I don't know if there's billions of wives who like who lose Marvel's Modoc. No, I, 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 think that's I fair. used the M. I didn't use the B, but uh, that's fair. You know, have your if your wife doesn't like that interpretation of Modoc, I think she would love the slightly more serious version in 
head games. I think that's the problem. Is some people like a, a darker Modoc, some people like a more comedic Modoc. We gave you both versions. Mm-hmm. Really, there's a Modoc for everybody. Yeah, yeah really so I think is. that's your wife's problem, and I think we can fix that by her reading <laughs> head games. But not to not to sound like a boomer, but if I could fix my wife's problem, I tell you what. <laughs> well, no, her problem with the interpretation of Moda is what I'm talking about. Not not especially oh, wrong goodness. with your wife for not liking the show. It's like, I, I think we are all establishing way too much more thought about my wife's feelings on Moda than my wife has ever put towards her own feelings on Moda. Fair enough. Uh, but no, it seriously, folks. If you uh, go check them out, they're they are both two very different but very fantastic uh, pieces of content that you can consume uh, into your human brains. Hey, Jordan, do you ever think that you probably have written the most hexist the living corporation out of anybody in existence, and how that makes you feel? Uh, I, I I guess I have a few more on on Grant, right? <laughs> yeah, Grant Grant's only got the one. That's one issue of Hexus. You did like three episodes. It's a great Spoiler. character. I don't. People should use him, use it more. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. I guess here's the thing. That is technically a spoiler, but I feel like it's such an obscure spoiler that people if you got that spoiled for you, then you now know why you need to watch Modoc because yeah. you didn't know that Hexus, the Living Corporation, was in it. If you right. like Hexus as much as I do, you probably have already watched Modoc because <laughs> Modoc is a love letter to those kinds of, of Marvel concepts. It is, but I didn't know Hexus, the Living Corporation, was going to be in there. <laughs> I got that as like, that's that Marvel Boy stuff. What's, what's that doing on my television set? <laughs> oh, no, that's man. good. Biggest that's good. No, that's uh, it's exciting. Adam, uh, what do you got going on? What uh, do folks need to know? Folks, you can always follow me at Arthur Stacy on Twitter. And I think if you haven't been subscribing to the newsletter, um, the, the Comics XF newsletter, you should. Um, I think I was like the featured person on this. But then uh, our, our requester for this episode, Austin Gordon, did a, a really good editorial there. So definitely subscribe and check that out. Um, Jordan, I don't think we asked, where can people find you uh, if they want to on online, on the web? I'm on Twitter and Instagram uh, as Bloom Jordan. Uh, mostly mostly talking about, uh, what am I talking about these days? Ghostbusters 2, I'm talking a lot about. <laughs> Dune. Cool. Dune. Real fun stuff. Everyone's talking about Dune. Zach, you I don't want to hear anything out of you about Dune. All, I, all I'm saying, all I'm saying, is that I'm very glad I watched Dune so that I could be part of the conversation because <laughs> the conversation has been a lot more fulfilling than two and a half hours of Dune. Stop it! Stop right uh-oh, there. Uh-oh. Hey, got, I have a question yeah. for you, uh, just to change the subject. Is Bish and Jubes available anywhere? It is, uh, and it's available as a free download on Gumroad, and I kind of repost that periodically. Um, so. Uh, now you, have, Jordan, you have a hard. I own it. That, right? I own it, okay. and I have the trading cards. Nice, <laughs> very cool. What are we doing next week, Zach? What do we got going on next week? We're doing a whole episode about your favorite Russian Omega Red. Nice. It's a it's a it's an Omega Red episode, and by Jove, we found some weird Omega Red stories. Uh, so that's going to be fun. Jordan, thank you again so much for being on. And until next time, folks, this has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!